Everybody ready? Yep. Let's go. Ahsoka! Four Midwest Guys presents... Star Wars Rebels HQ. Battles leave scars. Some you can't see. All across. I'm afraid it's changing. I will never let my friends get hurt again. Your anger gives you strength. Governor Price, these rebels have proven particularly stubborn. How do you intend to solve this problem? I need someone who sees a bigger picture. To defeat an enemy, you must know them. Not simply their battle tactics. But their history, philosophy, art. I must become more powerful. <laughs> Split the treasure. Oh, that's a classic. One last glorious day in the Grand Army of the Republic. Jedi am the light and the dark. They'll be the architects of their own destruction. The key destroying the city. Hello everybody and welcome back to Star Wars Rebels HQ. Tonight we'll be reviewing Season 3 Episode 18, Secret Cargo. Here with me tonight to help me do that is my brother Aaron. Hey, how's it going, man? How you doing, dude? I'm doing alright. Good, good. Uh, Mr. Ankenbauer couldn't be with us uh, tonight, but uh, I know he's uh, here as a Force Ghost, uh, probably working a little overtime. Alright, so uh, with that, uh, let's get right into it, Aaron. Um, start off with the, the whole hollow net announcement by uh, Senator Mon Mothma. Um, basically just kind of calling out the Emperor. Yeah, pretty much more or less making the argument that he is the reason for a lot of atrocities going on throughout the Empire and being pretty direct about it. Yeah, I mean, that's a pretty direct, bold political statement, especially for a... Um, I forget what the word would be, what kind of government, but essentially a, uh, you know, an empire run yeah, by Yeah, uh, I mean, technically it might still be functioning in name as a republic, but it is more or less at that point already you know, kind of an autocratic uh, system. Yeah, so, you know, he's got total and complete control. Yeah, of the like, sheet. there is still technically a senate, you do still have something close to governors, but at the same point time like anything that resembled a balance of power for any of that sort of thing has kind of been out the window for a while oh yeah she did she even calls him out and she calls i think she calls him the self-appointed emperor even yeah. she makes a point to re- remind everybody that he pretty much put himself in that position yeah and he yeah. has total and complete power so. i mean there's not the reference to the whole jar jar binks kind of helping annoying him to that position but yeah like i'm pretty sure it's just star wars at this point just like no one like that character let's not bring him back <laughs> at all. Like, no one wants to bring back the fact that Jar Jar played a large role in that. And that. Well, I uh, spoiler alert for what it's worth, but in Empire's End, the new uh, Aftermath book, the last part of the series, um, they kind of wrap up the Jar Jar story. He's a clown performer on uh, Naboo, and really? everybody hates him. So all he basically is a street performer for kids and collects money. Really? That's how Jar Jar, yeah. So, so really, that, they just wanted to go as far away from the Darth Jar Jar theory as possible. Not only that, but it, yeah, it kind of points at like a 
damn dude kind of yeah you know like, we hated him but we didn't really hate him that much you know it's like um, oh well they hate him so let's you know give him you know give him the worst feel, ending we can make him feel, make people feel sorry for him is what they were trying to do and yeah they succeeded when i heard that too i was like jesus <laughs> could have just cut off his head yeah you know i've been better than letting him you know just be a panhandler the street performer you know just dying slowly one you know alcoholic drink at a time yeah right that's like jesus okay (laughs) but um yeah also in that scene the other thing i thought that uh i could be wrong on this but it looked like the debris that they're hiding in kind of looked like an old separatist ship from the clone wars like it was like it's possible i mean you definitely do have kind of an old ship like mechanical thing to it yeah like it's hard to say what it is exactly i don't know just my little um i could be completely off base but it kind of looked like an old separatist ship oh, no, it, it definitely could be it's just one of those things i might not have noticed in the first viewing yeah all right so uh move on to the uh imperial probe droid um <clears throat> it's interesting that there are any left to me because it's the rebels blew up a whole ship full of them yeah and it, supposedly they're not I'm actually kind of glad Empire. to see them back. Like, it was like, oh, yeah, those were kind of cool. I'm glad they still kind of exist. It just, I guess I got a problem with it because we don't see them in any of the movies. So, yeah. they're not in Rogue One. They're not yeah, in pretty the much classic any trilogy. that are left. Like, they're kind or, of scragglers. They're not in the prequels. It's, yeah, it's kind of. Like, yeah, they're, they kind of exist in between. And it's like, it's clearly a very. It, it was a model that didn't last long. Yeah, you know... It, and before, you're like, oh, okay, well, they self-destruct and blow shit up. Yeah, I could see why you don't want to create more of them. Right. So maybe it's just when... Maybe they deactivated that function. It's like, just put them on a ship. Just do something with what's left of them. I think I would have rather have seen, um, like, uh, what's his name? Um, K2SO or something from Rogue... Like, that model. Mm. Droid flying like, or just something. to see the transition to yeah. that sort of model. Because yeah. you do see those in Rogue One. Yeah, so... Exactly. Kind of keep up with the continuity, I guess. Yeah, like... Be like, oh, that was kind of like a prototype model that had a lot of kinks that really didn't work out. So, yeah. the whole blowing ships up just because they're stupid. Also, it's not really the best way. This to whole keep the other the thing, Empire running, right? Right. I I don't know. I just yeah, like I said, it, they got to keep up with the continuity there. Um, I was glad to see him though. Like it's like it's kind of like, a cool. Model. You like that model, right? You yeah, know, like it's kind of cool. Spy droid. Yeah, like that mm-hmm. is like the shape shifting one. Like <laughs> it's not quite a transformer, but like it has its moments. It's the closest Star Wars may ever get to a transformer. Yeah. yeah. Um, the other the only other problem I had with this scene was why not put Ezra in the top turret? Why does he have to be in the nose gun when he could just be in the top turret? Blasters up. Pointed at him, shoots him, boom, he's gone. They put him in the nose. They actually have to tilt the ship up. They have to chase him. Hmm. Chase him. Like, wouldn't it have been easier for him just to move within the ship than to actually like yeah. tilt the ship in such an honor? Right. Angle? Yeah. He could have just aimed the whole time. But I know it's a plot point. To yeah. Trying to make it dramatic. But I don't know. No. I guess the issue with that is like essentially you could just have the droid like rearrange if you notice like there's a pilot in one and not the other. I guess maybe he would have been. They, seen... they figured that was a faster little scenario change than just moving within the ship. Okay, I didn't quite think about that. Maybe they. They didn't want Ezra to be seen in that big bubble yeah. turret gun, but I, I don't know. I just I was like, why? Even I'm watching, I'm like, why the hell is he doing that? There's a turret gun on the top. Use mm. that. I don't know. So, um, so we get uh, the introduction into Rebels anyway of Gold uh, Gold Gold Leader mm. Gold Squadron. 
John Dutch Vander mm. uh, is his name, a uh, gold leader. Um, he's also he's from the, uh, A New Hope. He's in the Attack on the Death Star. Mm. We also saw him then plug him in as a cameo in Rogue One as well. They used yeah. old footage. so Yeah, it was really nice how they recycled footage in Rogue One for that. It really was. It was a, It's a nice, uh, very nice cameo about mm. the, all that. It's, it's really nice to see him in Rebels, though, too, because, again, that connects the story that yeah. much more. It, we also see a couple other like uh, members of Gold Squadron be introduced around the same time. Mm-hmm. And all of them seem kind of pissy, actually. A little bit. Like, they're all just kind of in a more or less shitty mood. Yeah, and we'll get to that in a little bit. Yeah, they kind of, they're on, they're on Phoenix Squadron for creating, creating mm-hmm. trouble for them, I guess, or making their lives harder. But, yeah, which that is kind of a moot point, really. Yeah, like, point. clearly, if isn't any member of the Rebel Alliance going to kind of make the Empire more on guard and thus make you know, well, more of an issue for their others. We're kind of skipping ahead here, but yeah, it does beg the point is the state of the galaxy. It's such with the rebellion at this point that Phoenix Squadron is the only militant wing so far, mm. and the rest of them are just kind of maybe hit hit and miss on the Empire or trying to keep their distance yeah. kind of thing. Well, I mean, it does you know. kind of present Gold Squadron as being like military-like in its tactics and its approach, but it doesn't necessarily... Sh- showed that Ghost Squadron's had a lot of success in terms of being a rebellious organization. Right, like they don't go out of their way. They're yeah. being tactful about mm. maybe their missions and how they go about things, mm. where Phoenix Squadron is pretty much in their face. Yeah, they're kind of guns blazing. Right, so huh. I don't know. I found that interesting too, actually. Um, again, we are getting a little bit ahead of ourselves, but but yeah, know, it, it's, it's worth talking like, about. We're talking about like the Ghost Squadron itself, and it's, it's one of the things that kind of came to mind when we were introduced to those characters, like yeah. Don't wrong, like you have that whole thing like, oh, it's a secret thing even though you kind of you only keep that up for like what, five, ten minutes of the episode? Where it's, it's like if that. Yeah. yeah, it's not even that really. Um Uh so uh the ghost uh, is also being used here as a, a fuel tanker. Yeah, to me it just seems like another example of how versatile the ship is or maybe the ingenuity of the rebels to constantly mm. take what they got and convert well, it. Yeah, I mean I think that's actually a fun little nod to real life scenarios, isn't it? Like you actually do see a lot of rebellions sort of things or like more militant groups or like go mm. guerrilla and like really reuse like kind of old school weaponry and like kind of ingenious ways sometimes. Yeah. Like this joke, uh, if it's stupid and it works, it's not that stupid sort of thing. Yeah. Like that's kind of what you see in a lot of like kind of like military operations where like one side really does not have the finances of the other. Yeah. Like, sometimes you really see like a weird ingenuity. Yeah. Kind of like, pops up. Yeah. Well, they just by necessity. Yeah. Have to kind of. That way. It was kind of interesting to me to, to see, you know, the, the ghosts that were, I've always just seen as a, either a cargo transport that they converted into a military ship now mm. being now has these two huge fuel tanks on yeah. it essentially. It's also one of the things like it's probably there from a plot point of view as well, right? But because but, I mean, realistically, like for that sort of ship, you really could have just used any random random fuel ship or yeah, separate ship. Like yeah. you really wouldn't have had to have anyone special on board or anything. So that's clearly just. From a plot point of view, it worked out that way, but... Or if you want to immerse yourself in the universe for a second, you can say they did it so they only had to send one ship. You yeah. know, try to keep themselves inconspicuous as possible. That way they didn't have to send, like, the fuel ship and, like, a ship to guard it sort guard of thing. It, yeah. All right, that's a fair point. Minimal, you know, use of, uh, or good use of your resources that you have. Yeah. So, all right, let's talk about the uh, first Imperial attack, and the one... One thing I'm really excited to talk about is we finally get to see Ezra as a fighter pilot. 
To me, that's kind of a big thing for me, because up to now, he's all been Jedi and lightsaber, but they've never gotten the other side of the right of the Jedi, which is to see him as a fighter pilot. I don't know. I've never really viewed that as being part of the Jedi thing. To me, it is, because from looking, because I grew up with the classic trilogy, and just about, and even when you go to the prequels, every Jedi at some point gets gets to be a fighter pilot. Kind of? Yeah. I mean, Anakin does right from the get-go. Luke does right from the get-go. I'm not sure if there's really, like, clips of, like, Yoda, like, just driving around, like, blowing shit up. Well, not Yoda, but, I mean, all, you got Obi-Wan Kenobi does it, Plow Koon does it from the prequels. Oh, I mean, Um, you have Obi-Wan, you do have Luke, like, you have Anakin, mm -hmm, clearly. Right. But, uh, even, like, say, someone like Mace Windu, I don't think you really see that with either. Yeah, I don't think you see Mace in the... They don't. I don't think we ever see him in the cockpit. But but yeah, I mean that yeah. is it, part of the classic trilogy. That is there. That's kind of the the rite of passage. It's usually done first, but in yeah. this case, we've seen Ezra do all of his Jedi training and never really, mm. other than man the gun turns, we've never seen him. Yeah, one of the things I found yeah. interesting about is like he talks about how Hera's been training him to do it. I was like, right. when did that happen? Because I don't remember seeing like any references to that. Yeah, this is the, kind of the first time they kind of you know. I would have liked to have seen maybe other take out one of those earlier filler episodes and maybe shown a training episode yeah, with him. Actually, I think that would have kind of worked out better than like one or two of the droid episodes we've gotten so far. And I yeah. mean, we've had a couple ones that have yeah. been kind of slow this season. So Yeah, like, especially at the first part of the season. Yeah. yeah. Right before we went on hiatus for the break. Yeah, like Rebels usually does a really good job of having like a high mid-season break mm-hmm. and like a really good beginning and a good end. Ending. Yeah. Uh, but I don't know. I feel like season three's had a lot more slower parts yeah. than we've had in the last season. I feel like they're trying to fill out the characters a little bit, but I think they could have done that with by by they're trying to expand their own galaxy i think but they could have thrown in a couple more familiar Hmm. characters along the way the funny thing is i actually feel like it's actually taking more from clone wars than it used to Mm -hmm. in that regard very much (laughs) i go wrong like it's not doing like all the time jumps we've seen in clone wars but it is definitely doing a lot of these two side characters that are going off on their own adventure sort of thing is like right. Well, and don't get me wrong. Like if you have Filoni training under Lucas, like, it's understandable that's going to pop up a little bit. But I just feel like it's doing it more heavily than it did previously. Well, again, I think they're trying to expand just the rebels part of the whole story, rather mm-hmm. you know, and and in doing so, yeah, there's there's some filler stuff in there, and eh. It's kind of hard to explain, but yeah, to me it feels like they're trying to expand their own little part of Star Wars hmm. instead of trying to incorporate... Like having more having, of their own smaller characters, right, kind of having more developed storylines. Precisely. And it's kind just, of having parts of their own like area of the galaxy they can fill out more. Yeah, it's just the problem is when they do these little these side missions, they're not important to the main storyline. Well, the funny or, thing is, like, I feel like there are know. characters you could have kind of done that with and kind mm-hmm. of had really oh, yeah. cool results. I agree. Like, had you done, like, a Kanan episode where he's just off training, or... I would have loved to have seen an episode with Kanan trying to deal with, even though he can now see, kind of see, with the Force actually still struggling yeah, to still deal with his disabilities and, yeah. and stuff. Along or, honestly, I would have been fine with even doing, like, another Zeb episode where, like, you kind of see him deal with... Like, his own culture's interpretation of the Force more. Yeah. Because, honestly, that was kind of arguably a filler episode, but I fucking love that No, I love that. That was really good um, universe building, especially with the mythos of the Force. Either that or you just kind of see how Zeb's relationship to, like, the greater rebellion kind of works out. Because that's not really that 
panned out yet. Like, we know how he works on the crew. Yeah. But we don't really see him, like, in relation to, like, any of the other greater rebellion sort of thing. Not really. He's other than being security chief and the muscle of the group yeah. still. There's not much else So, to I mean, it. I feel like you could expand on that character yeah. a little more yeah. and actually do an all right job. I would have loved to see more of that. I agree with you 100%. <laughs> but getting back to the, the episode... Um, Actually, you know, him saying that Hera's been training him is actually a good thing. I think Hera's a good teacher because if we actually throw in the Star Wars Rebels book, which came out before this series started in A New Dawn, even Kanan admits that she's a better pilot than he is. And yeah. He, he's a, obviously a Force user, a Jedi. Yeah. Well, that was, you know, Jedi. even back when he did have Vision. Right, exactly. So, so you know, it's... So that that made me feel good. So not only is he a Jedi, well, yeah, I but mean, he's getting the best of both worlds. Hera being a pretty... Like kick ass pilot, yeah. you know, in this already. Like, don't wrong. Is there only like one or two episodes that really focuses on it? Yeah, but yeah, the ones that have have actually shown her being pretty you very know. skillful. Yeah. yeah, very very skillful. Um, take a minute here. Let's talk about the iconic Y wings. Um, nice to see them in action again. The one part I didn't know those little cannons on the, the laser cannons on the top mm-hmm. are apparently ion cannons, which I had no idea. Yeah, because the only thing I've seen in an ion cannon from a Star Wars perspective is going all the way back t- to uh, Empire Strikes Back. Mm. There's a giant ion cannon on Hoth that they use, but that thing's huge. Mm. Instead, now the Y wing has these two little ones on the top of its thing. It's like I a always, pistol equivalent. Yeah, I was like, that's an ion cannon. Because okay. you're used to just the ion cannons being like, like the giant cannon, giant big things, you know, and they're monster. They're just huge because yeah. they take so much power up. So it was kind of a... That kind of threw me for a loop and kind of expanded my Star Wars universe a little bit. Yeah, well, it could just be like there's a different model sort of thing to it. Could but be. But it still works in a similar function. Yeah, it, it, just, it just kind of threw me off because I always thought they were just little laser cannons that they could kind of move around, hmm. you know, fire backwards or, hmm. you know, whatever. But, Which, you know, makes sense. Like, you have... Yeah. Yeah, just a rotating cannon, like a turret sort of thing. But they didn't use them in A New Hope that way, so now it makes sense that they, they made them ion cannons, I guess. So, yeah. you know. Well, if that wasn't the original intent or design, it's kind of a nice way of kind of retrofitting that yeah. into it. Retconning so, a little yeah. bit. Yeah. Um, it uh, was also, we get to see them uh, bomb again. The first time we ever saw them do that was in Rogue One, mm. when they bombed the shield generator around Scarif. Yeah. With the, so we got to see that again. That was kind of cool. So it was all incorporated. Yeah. I mean, yeah. it's always nice when you're kind of, you know, expanding and as well as like kind of reconfirming like some of the, you know, yeah. older like kind of canon or the few things you've only seen once or twice. Yeah. So it, it's a nice fit. So. Yeah. Uh, so the secret cargo turns out to be Mon Mothma, um, obviously. It was not secret for that long. Not very episode. long, right. Um She's being escorted to, as Hera called it, the meeting. Yeah. Um, so right off the bat, we know it's a significant. Yeah. So uh, it's sign. actually interesting that, um, like, if you look at like, the digital design for Mon Mothma, it actually does look really close to, like, yeah. the last actress that played her as well. Yeah. It not, not only did they do a good job with the animation, but they got the same actress who played her in Rogue One. Yeah. To come back and uh, yeah, the voices voice her. that makes so, sense. So it's 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 good. Uh, continuity good you know mm. it's just they do a really nice job with that mm. so and again i think that has something to do with their storyboard and yeah knowing that i, I think they got why they put rogue or they put darth vader in season two is because they were they had james earl jones probably working on rogue one so yeah. hey come on over i got some you know can you drop some lines for us yeah so it's like got like Two pages. Yeah. You're good. You know, and actually when they did it, I know this because I watched the behind the scenes 
uh, stuff on YouTube, but they, he was actually in a stage in London, yeah. and they piped it all the way over to California, and mm-hmm. they put some modifiers on it, and he just literally just sat there and acted it out on stage in, Lon- in the middle of London. That's cool, man. Yeah, so that's just pretty sweet kind of stuff. So, mm. like he's a nice little tidbit. Yeah, in fact, they even went on to say like he was asking Dave Floney, he's like, I haven't played this character in quite a while, Dave, so you know, give me some direction. He's like, you're doing fine. He was like a nerd, <laughs> nerddom. He's, like, he's just like, you're still Darth Vader. This you're, is awesome. Fine. Yeah, they put the modifiers on. Like, this is awesome. Vader's talking, you know. But anyway. <laughs> you think they just want him to say random words? Sure, I would. Like, I'd give him a whole damn dictionary. I'd be like, just in case you die... And I want to use Darth word Vader yes. three times. And do it this way, this way, and this way. Angry, normal, <laughs> really pissed off. <laughs> Darth Vader, Vader angrily saying pizza bites. <laughs> Get the Darth Vader, uh, what do they call those things? Um, uh, you know, Voice direction or give you directions. Oh, on the uh, GPS Yeah, thing. GPS. Was, yeah, you would yeah. geek out over oh, that. Oh, hell yeah, I would. You had Darth Vader telling you to turn right in like two miles. Turn right now. You missed your turn. You failed me again. <laughs> <laughs> Something like that would be sweet. Yeah, I can see it. Uh, they probably already have it, to be honest. I'm... There, be there's a modification for your like a GPS app somewhere. Yeah. It's like you haven't found it yet. <laughs> yeah, exactly. You know, just don't use the GPS enough to kind <laughs> right. of look into it. You know, have him like, you know, use like, use like, like he's force choking you or something if you screw up. It'd be sweet. Anyway, just say it. <laughs> um, <laughs> but yeah, so she's being escorted to the meeting. Um, they're forming an, an alliance of rebel cells. Mm. And the big thing, she says, give them the directions to Dantooine. Mm. So we know from Dantooine, from A New Hope, that is the location that Princess Leia gives up when she's presented with the fact that they're going to blow up Alderaan. Yeah. Which, of course, she they turn and they go investigate it. and Like it was like a, It had been deserted for a long time. Yeah, pissed Tarkin off. Mm. Um, so it was nice... Nice nod. Mm-hmm. Nice, because I originally thought when the Rebels were going to find their base that that's where they were going to end up. That was going to be on Dantooine, and by the time you get to A New Hope, that's the one that's abandoned. Abandoned, yeah, that's what I originally so, thought. Like, it would make sense like if Thrawn finds the base and it gets destroyed, Droid, because that's it, the one that's abandoned later on. Then that obviously wouldn't make sense, because the Empire would already know about it. Mm-hmm. So Depends on record so, keeping. So I think that's why they, oh, okay. they didn't do it. But, so... But again, more continuity, more one big story. Yeah. Well, I mean, it is an entire plan. You could probably have multiple bases on it if you she, really wanted to. Yeah, I guess you could, but I mean, the Empire would probably be watching pretty hard if you went back there. I don't know. It's it's still a big galaxy. Like, if you're just like, oh, they're dead there? Okay, we're good. Just move along. <laughs> well, Thrawn wouldn't, but yeah, maybe some of the Empire yeah, yeah. would. Like, if you look at any of the Stormtroopers, they'd just be like, all right, we're good. Let's yeah. move. And speaking of Thrawn, our next scene is the Thrawn, what I like to call Thrawn's analysis of the situation. Um, he deducts pretty quickly that the cargo is Mon Mothma. Yeah. Because they didn't find anything on their scans, I think, of the Yeah, they had some scans where, like, the only thing they found was a crew and was like, oh, well, there was a lady that was just talking shit about the Empire. <laughs> so maybe it's that lady. And he was like, yep. Yeah. And he turned out to be right. Yep. Yeah. And then he deducts that Captain Hera will use the least favorable path to get out of the system. And I guess that's when he reveals that she'll use the Arch, Archean, I hope I got this right, Archean Pass. It's used by smugglers through the Archean Nebula. Well, it makes sense to use a smuggler's route. You are kind of smuggling something. 
I just wonder... I do actually find like the entire scene later on where they are flying through the nebula kind of cool, to be honest. It's very cool, and we'll talk a little bit more of that. I got some a few thoughts on that, but when they say smugglers, it makes me wonder if Hera's had some connections with smugglers other than Lando. Yeah. Because she has a cargo ship. Well, I mean, you do also see her having connection to, like, um, oh, I can't think of his name, the pirate. Oh, Hondo? Yeah, Hondo. Yeah, they know Hondo, yeah. So, so she is in That's kind a good of, point. I didn't think about Hondo. Yeah, Hondo yeah. is, you know, smuggled shit. He's pretty much any sort of job you want to give Hondo for money, he'll take so, it for money. Maybe they found out up from, about it from him or something. Yeah, it's yeah. possible. Well, I mean, there's clearly a lot of dealings with kind of, you know, the underground sort of types. I mean, there are a lot of criminal elements, so. Yeah. It could be. Yeah, it would make, that would make perfect sense. I didn't even think about Hondo. That's, that's a very good possibility. Um, but if yeah. you were talking about like them adding like a solo component to it, like yeah, there's a possibility for that as well. I'm surprised they haven't tied him in yet in some way, shape, or form. Honestly, I think it's because be they're doing their standalone in. movie now. But I, that well, the thing that's weird about that is like it's arguably easier to tie him in than it is like Leia. Oh yeah, in a lot of ways. Like because theoretically, he should be like in a lot of the same circles that like Lando's in. Yeah. And we've already seen Lando. And I'm surprised they haven't used more Lando, and I'm surprised, like you said, they haven't tied Han in at least to a couple episodes by now. Yeah. I mean, maybe like, we'll get that in season four. I don't like, know. Like, I'm not necessarily, like, horribly against it one way or another. It's just, like, it seems like it'd be an easier fit, unless, like, you're really wanting to do a lot of stuff with, like, the Han Solo backstory in the future. Well, that's that's my guess. Yeah. I think Which also might be why you don't necessarily see, like, a Boba Fett sort of character here yeah. that as well unlike rogue one where everybody dies we know han makes it until episode seven anyway yeah. so there's potential there to make more han solo movies if this one does well mm. so I, I could even see him doing maybe even a trilogy as much i hope not a that much trilogy. yeah i hope not that much but it's possible just a series of him just stealing shit throughout the yeah, galaxy. Yeah, just being Han Solo before he meets up with the rest of the well, crew. Well, I mean, in theory, you could kind of do it in between some of the movies as oh, well. Sure, you could have him screwing with Jabba, and you could have him get in with all the other crime syndicates, too, like like Black Sun, and mm. um, I forget that other species we saw. But, um, yeah, so... It's, like, you do one that's room. just in between, like, episode, like, six, or, like, episode four or six and No, I, seven. Think, I don't think they're going to do Shadows of the Empire with Han. I could be wrong. Um, I still think that Rebels has the potential to jump ship and beyond episode four... Uh, a new hope and actually do like a shadows of the empire series yeah um i don't know they did like that's one of my fan theories obviously mm, that, that they're going to just start jumping in between films yeah then that way you actually have a justified reason for doing like a time jump like right. within the show right and you can you can justify why they weren't in the movies because they were off doing x mm. you know, x y and z you know because mm. it's a big big galaxy yeah um but i don't know um, but getting back to the nebula thing, the first when they said they were going into a nebula, it it immediately triggered my sci-fi brain, <laughs> and I'm like, I, Star Trek Two, hmm. Nebula Battle. <laughs> I never saw Star Trek. You never II. saw the Wrath no. of Khan? No. You're kidding. I might have seen clips. Oh my god, dude. Okay, so there's a big battle. Yeah, like I never really got into the classic Star Trek stuff. Oh my god, but that's it's Star Trek Two. It's Khan. It, not that I want to turn this into a Star Trek podcast, but that's like a big it, it's thing. It's the one that it's known for, yeah. Yeah. Chatting going, God. God. Yeah. God. I mean, come on, dude. You got to watch it. Anyway. But, I, I've, I've probably seen clips of it. I just don't remember if that happened. Anyway, it just stirred my mind, and I was like, 
Oh, this looks familiar. I've yeah. seen this before. Of course, not quite the same way, but still, I don't know. Fair enough. Man. But if you haven't seen it, then we won't. We'll just leave it there. No, no, so. you want to talk about no, Star no, Trek, no, man. no, 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 it's no, cool. no, we're good. I got my Star Trek out of me. I'm good. I'm back to being Star Wars again. So, um, <laughs> I, know, I, I could tell you about like the you know reboots. Like that's those are cool. The reboots are cool, but you should watch the classics. Anyway, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna get into Star Trek here anymore. I promise. Maybe. All right. Um, so we get to see. We finally get to see the Tie Defender in action. Yeah pretty cool yeah very cool maneuvers pretty well yeah maneuvers got shields since why when do ties have shields you mm. know we see that in action it's uh being piloted by captain volt scaris is back uh last time we saw him was in the wedge until extraction extraction and uh he was the instructor at the sky strike academy uh, yeah, I, he, I was wondering was like where i saw him from <laughs> Yeah, he never takes his mask off in this episode, but he's the guy that looks like Viper from Top Gun. Gotcha. Kind of thing. So it's their top pilot and his, which would make sense for, for Thrawn. For a prototype. For a prototype. Yeah. Yeah, yeah I so, kind of see that. Yeah, which I thought was interesting. The other thing I thought that was interesting about this scene is Governor Price at the end volunteering to capture Mon Mothma. Yeah, it does kind of come across like... They have, like, some sort of history or, like, she just dislikes her for some reason. Or she just wants the grandiose, maybe. Yeah. Like, she needs a piece of the pie, too. And it's weird because even Thrawn's reaction's like, okay, I guess you can do that. That's acceptable, yeah. Like, like he seems almost kind of, like, weird. Like, he seems off-put by it. He seems, yeah, he's almost taken off guard maybe a little bit. And then I think his mind kicks in and goes, well, if it goes wrong, I can blame her. Yeah. It's like, okay, that's acceptable. Yeah. <laughs> it's like I, sure scapegoats oh, that's cool I hadn't really thought about that maybe there is a backstory between her and uh, Mon Mothma maybe there's a little personal animosity but it's, it'd be weird because you know they'd be almost in different parts of like the government under the empire you'd have unless mm-hmm. they're like you have senators arranged from planets in the same way governors are and they're from a similar planet Yeah, but I don't know what planet uh, Mothma would be from I'd have to go back to her history and look it's been a while uh, so I, I'm not going to say because yeah. I don't want to make people mad <laughs> but I mean it'd be weird for a governor to have like that much of an interaction within like a well, unless, interplanetary sort of government she's done something in the senate to block something she was wanting to do on Lothal or yeah. something I, I don't know that, Possibly that, they could go that we're out with it I don't know um, but yeah, or it could just as easily just be price once you know yeah, extra. I want the glory, my turn. But at the same time, that doesn't. It's weird for a governor trying to get that sort of like military glory sort of thing. Yeah, it's a little strange, and I'm I, the only thing I can think of is she has such confidence in Thrawn and his planning that it's she thinks it's an automatic win, no yeah. matter what. Maybe, I don't maybe know. I don't know. Um, all right, let's move on to the uh, into the Nebula's dogfight here. Um, so, we get a little brief scene between with Hera and Mon Mothma, the whole thing about the front lines and how Mon Mothma envies pilots because they can flee hyperspace. And then she goes in about her whole Senate thing and mm. helping people and stuff like that. And Hera kind of comes back and goes, well, on the front lines, people aren't, you know, where you're at, people aren't shooting at you like they are out here kind yeah. of thing. I, I, I thought... I don't know if this would be the only filler part of this episode or if that was just another... It's a nice emotional nod, but it's yeah. definitely a slow pace yeah. in comparison to the rest of the episode. It's, I guess it's... Like, one... it's kind of this almost slice-of-life moment in yeah. what's more or less just like an action show. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Or an action episode, anyway. Or is it just a pause, or is it to 
Peyton Mon Mothma is being a bit naive being out on the front lines. I don't know. Really? I, I thought it kind of came across as like showing her reasons for like justifying why she was leaving the Empire as a whole. Mm. Like it was kind of showing her motivation. Like, yeah, I guess because like she true. was trying to more or less making the argument that she stayed within the empire so long to because to try to limit what the emperor was doing to try to help. Yeah. So it kind of not only justifies why she actually was a senator under the empire, mm-hmm. uh, but why she transitioned out of it as well. Like yeah. so, it, it actually is kind of giving her backstory pretty heavily, giving her justification. Yeah, like pretty much saying like, well. Mm-hmm. She, why was she in the Empire so long? Well, she was trying to limit the Emperor's control and trying to... Work within kind the of, system. Yeah, kind of trying to put the reins on it. Yeah. Um, and I, I thought it actually was a pretty good justification. And don't get me wrong, is it definitely slow-paced in comparison to the rest of the episode? Yeah, it totally is. But yeah. in terms of like character building, it's actually probably one of the better moments for the episode. Hmm. Yeah, okay, copy that. I didn't really put much into it. I was just kind of like, I thought it was kind of like a moment just to catch your breath, really. But that makes sense, everything you just said, that, that they're just trying to give her the just the moral high ground, so yeah. to speak. But yeah, I mean, I does know. it also function as kind of that kind of slowing down point for when you do kind of approach pick, the action scene? Yeah, it back also up. works that way as well. Yeah. So. Copy that. I mean, if you can, it's kind of a two burns, one stone sort of thing. Gotcha. Well, that makes sense. All right, uh, so let's talk about the Tide Defender a little bit. Um, they're pretty much out. The Tide Defender pretty much outmatches... The Y-Wings. Yeah. I mean, you the have ghost, the really. shields. You have yeah. a pretty... The Ties as a whole are pretty maneuverable ships, so... Yeah, I mean, it takes out two of the Y-Wings. Zeb's hitting it with direct hits with the laser cannon. No effect on it. Mm. Um, it forces Hera to almost burn up the Ghost. Um, yeah, actually, I thought that know. little bit was pretty awesome as well. Because yeah. they're all just kind of flying through this nebula and like at a speed where it's like clearly just burning up the fucking ship. Yeah, she's getting as close to that star as she can so she can take out two of the other regular TIE fighters mm. that are with the Defender. And that's yeah. just to get the Defender away from them temporarily. Yeah. Kind of, sort of. So it, it shows you how desperate that she has to go. Yeah, it really does kind of show not only going back to Hera's piloting skills, but going back to the desperation of the situation mm-hmm. and how it just you know, a good ship that is, you know, be fighting against. Well, yeah, and it kind of, it justifies Thrawn's prediction that one vehicle can make all the difference. You yeah. Know, you don't need a lot of them, just a few of them are going to make a yeah, big difference. Yeah, I mean, if you go back to World War Two and the Blitzkrieg tanks, that was more or less the scenario or, for a lot of, you know, Germany's victories. And how they used air power along with yeah. their, yeah, the Blitzkrieg tactic, tactics. Um, but yeah, it uh, eventually, it actually takes, a, it has to take a direct hit from the ion cannon, to temporarily knock it out of service, essentially. Yeah. So it's a tough little thing. It's a tough. It's a superior. Oh, yeah. Like it's uh, so far like that extra shielding and extra like kind of mm-hmm. you know mass to it really kind of makes it a tough little fucker. The other thing I took away from that is it seems like when they use the ion cannon, it they have it has to be precise. Like it's mm. it's not a weapon you can use on the fly. Like it, it's it's a slower kind of weapon, or you yeah. have to be directly aiming well i it. think in this scenario actually being in the nebulas they make the uh point that it actually has the ability of igniting parts of it with like the, the gas with yeah, the, ion the proton cannon. well it was the proton torpedoes was yeah. the proton torpedoes yeah. okay but but still yeah yeah and the the only difference is is ezra's piloting skills i mean he has to basically trick scaris into following him so gold leader can literally hit him as he's flying by. You yeah. Know? And that's how they, they do it. You know, mm. that's the only way they get to use it on this. It's just, that's that's what I took away. I was like, okay, that They actually makes, had to use tactics from, like, 
a like, multiple person perspective yeah, to it, deal with one shit. And honestly, it's it's kind of a thing from uh, going back to Top Gun again. It's called the Fox Two maneuver. There are a couple you know? bits, especially once you go back to that Wedge and Tealy's episode, where mm-hmm. it clearly took some inspiration from that film. Yeah, because yeah, and that it kind of makes sense. That was one of the most popular like dog fighting films in the last. 10, 15 years. Oh, yeah. In fact, 20 maybe. In fact, Top Gun is based off a book of a, uh, um, not to get into Top Gun history here too much, but it's based off a book about a real pilot in Vietnam, and the, he created the Fox 2 maneuver where the guy, the he's being chased, and then he breaks right just as he fires. And, mm-hmm. get, and that's how he shoots down the, the bad guy in the dogfight. Oh, okay. But it's so it's kind of the similar. It was kind of cool to see that it was kind of a nod. Yeah. At least I don't know if that's what they were really going for. But that's it's actually different. kind of interesting that film's actually based off a book from like a Vietnam pilot. Yeah, to be believe honest. it or not, it's loosely based on. I mean, that's yeah. where they got the ideas from. But yeah, I mm. forget the name of the book now. I have to look it up again. It might even be called Fox Two. But um, anyway, so yeah, it was a nice nod to. I thought somebody's really a big Top Gun fan, or yeah. I'm just well, reading I imagine into if it you kind much. of dig, like, kind of the space battle fights, like, it kind of goes back to that kind of, you know, classic, like, dogfighting sort of, like, mm-hmm. kind of concepts. So, yeah. I imagine you're taking a lot from both military history and even just, like, old arcade games and stuff like well, that. Well, yeah. I mean, even when um, Lucas was uh, creating Star Wars, he ended up firing the editor and doing it himself, but he was trying to show the editor what he wanted for the fight of the... Uh, the Death Star to look like, mm. and he put together a bunch of old World War Two footage, mm. and you know, and said, "This is how I want it to look," mm. you know, and that that was his inspiration for it, and it worked out pretty well. Yeah, so I mean, that's one of the more memorable parts of you know of Star Wars, yeah. the first Star Wars, yeah. Like so, the, when you the, go into that little ca- like cavern within the, the Death trench, Star, you got yeah. the trench run, but even how they do the space battles and the different angles and mm. stuff like that—that's similar. So fair enough. Yeah. Um, so let's move on to outnumbered and outgunned is what I like to call this next scene. And that's the ghost's core systems are damaged from the nebula. Chopper has to activate auxiliary power. It's another fun moment of Chopper kind of saving Saving the the day. day. Kind of sort of. It also shows the versatility again of the ghost that they can use auxiliary power to at least charge the hyperdrive. And Mm. maybe it only gives you a short burst or something, but at least they can get away. Yeah, or it gives enough power to kind of restart like that system like kind of give it a jump yeah like a jump start kind of thing mm. to it um i also liked how mom Martha was trying to use her politics to buy time she's like, yeah like she's trying to negotiate like yes yeah. here's my list of demands for yeah. surrender <laughs> but it's interesting because both sides are just like oh no we're just buying time yeah like even like on like governor price's end she's like all right are we ready to go okay no your demands aren't met yeah catch them here, here we go like both sides were just more or less like we're just buying time for our own plan. We're so. playing our playing the game, but still, yeah. yeah, I thought it was cool. And then I love the desperate use. It was desperate, very risky, but cool way how they used the proton torpedoes to use the nebula star to, to disable kind of the gas near it. And, yeah, and yeah. Dis- disable the star destroyers, which I thought was pretty cool. Yeah, it it was a fun little moment in like kind of the fight scene. Yeah, it was a nice, a nice use of it. I, I, I think we've seen something like it before when we were in the, was it with the nebula with uh, Zeb? That Zeb episode we were talking about earlier. I think something similar happened. It might they, be the squales episode. Was it the squales episode? Because they have that like energy thing they eat, and like I think that got blown up towards the end. But uh, I could be thinking of a different episode. It, it, I could be, but anyway, it was still pretty cool to see. So. Yeah. 
And um, so what do you think will be, do you think Governor Price and Admiral Constantine, do you think there'll be any fallout for their failure? Not really. No. no. To be honest, I imagine it's going to be one of those things that the show just kind of overlooks it. Or if we have any like sort of thing about it, I imagine it's going to be a quick reference to it worse. Or they're pissed off the next time they see him because they got humiliated or something yeah. like that. Yeah. Th- you might have like a line or two to it, but I don't really see it being a huge plot point. Gotcha. You? Uh, I like I said, I think I think there might be a minor fallout. I think you could see Thrawn using it as justification for why his plan failed. And like I said, I think they'll be a little pissed off the next time they see him because they're going to want a little redemption. Hmm. Could make him make a mistake, you know, yeah. and let the rebels get away from what we know will probably be the attack on their base yeah. at the end of this in the next couple episodes. So. Yeah. Do you expect that in the next couple episodes? Yeah, because the next episode is we do the droids, and then because I was wrong last week, I forgot about this droids episode, which is just came out today, which we'll review next week because we always do. We always give people a week to watch before we review. Um, so uh, we'll do the droids episode, and then after that is Twin Sons, mm-hmm. and then after that is the two part finale, uh, which I think is called Zero Hour. Oh really? Then, I was expecting them to do the uh, twin sun thing to go kind of a little longer. Uh, yeah, I you know I kind of said the same thing I, unless they're connected to zero hour somehow. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, yeah. yeah, so at least we've that's the big the big one I'm waiting for is twin suns. So, yeah, you know that's the episode. But, yeah, I mean it's a Darth Maul episode, so that could it, always well, be fun. It's Darth Maul and it's Kenobi. Yeah, and we know that from the previews. So yeah. All right, so let's talk about the final scene of this episode uh, of Secret Cargo, and I, I just call it the call. Um, they arrive over top of uh, Dantooine, and Mom Mothma makes a call to all rebels. Unite behind her. She's been labeled as a tra- traitor by the Empire. Renounces her Senate seat. Um, has no fear of even the Emperor, for she knows she is not alone. Mm-hmm. Uh, will not rest until the Empire is destroyed and the Republic is restored. And... It was a pretty good monologue, actually. Yeah, it was a good speech, and what was awesome, of course, was seeing the Rebel Alliance just start, the ships start popping up all over the place, and for mm. the first time ever, at least in that point in the Star Wars timeline, we see the Alliance start to form. Yeah, I mean, it is kind of a big moment for the Star Wars universe. Like, it really is kind of the beginning of, like, the Rebel Alliance and not just Rebel cells. Yeah, exactly. They're reuniting as one. It's it's no longer just a rebellion, it's an alliance of, of at least a loose confederation. If yeah, and else. I mean, it's openly an alliance, whereas before, like, you kind of did have, like, some cells working together for, you know, mutual benefit, but or, you don't really see that being kind of all behind one banner sort of thing. Right, and there might be a little bit more command and control now, too, whereas, like, we were talking about Phoenix Squadron being out there in front and mm. Gold Squadron kind of maybe not as much or being more tactful about yeah. how they go about doing things. So Yeah, it could provide some unity to that, or it could change the structure of the show going forward since they have to work within that sort of framework. Right. Because we even see in Rogue One that there's hesitance within the council. Of course, they're confronted with the Death Star, but still. Mm. So Yeah, it's definitely a possibility that it'll you know change how the show dynamics kind of work for it. Yeah, absolutely. And then we end the the whole thing ends with Mom Mothma announcing, my friends, this is our rebellion. So, mm. obviously, the big statement in the exclamation point on yeah. the alliance it was it's a good place to end the episode i mean it really kind of it, it ends on kind of such a high note like you really kind of mm-hmm. it, you really kind of expect like just to be like the momentum to like carry this to the end of the season right exactly and we since we've already kind of seen 
in the next episode, it's kind of like, okay. <laughs> but we'll talk about that next week. Um, since this is all about just about Secret Cargo, so let's move right into final thoughts and grades. All right, Aaron, your final thought and grade for Secret Cargo. Uh, I'd probably give it maybe a B minus a C plus. Really? Like on one hand, it's definitely a huge moment for you know kind of like the history of Star Wars and kind of like you know the beginning of the Rebel Alliance. You also have like some actually pretty interesting dogfights and some good character building. But I actually overall kind of found the episode kind of slow. Really? Yeah, for huh. a large part of it, like I huh. found it. That and I really just disliked almost all of Gold Squadron. Like, you just I, liked them, didn't like them being whiny about things? Yeah, stuff? like I just found just like they're just kind of whining about things to be kind of just a buzzkill for the episode. And it's like, like don't get me wrong, it's interesting sort of character dynamics, but at the same time, and like it, it pays off towards the end when Ezra is like, oh, we'll let you fly for us anytime sort of thing. But it, I don't know, it doesn't really have the payoff for me. So it's it's one of those things like it just kind of slows the episode down. Okay, um, uh, that's just okay. a you know personal thought on it. Okay, that's fine. Um, I have a much higher opinion of the episode. I would actually give it an A. Um, I love the use of Gold Squadron. I love the use and expansion of the Y wings. I love the t- seeing the Tide Defender in battle. Um, from being an old Star Wars gamer, um, I love Mon Mothma being used. I, love, I absolutely adore the the first formation of what is the Rebel Alliance. So, all those things are, are just an absolute victory. I even led the space battle inside the Nebula, which I thought was really well done. So, um, yeah, I have nothing but praise for it, really. So that's just my interpretation, I guess. Um, but uh, anyway, so. Okay, so where can you find four Midwest guys? It's real easy. Just go to the internet, type in the number four, then type in MidwestGuys.com. There you'll find everything. You'll find our podcast. You'll find, you can comment under each individual podcast. Above there is everything is categorized per podcast show because we do more than just Star Wars Rebels. We do Marvel DC Kings. We do a new one called Binge Cast, which is all about Netflix series. Uh, we do. We used to do Gotham as a singularity show. That the archives are there for that. Every podcast we do is up there. Uh, the Oscar Bros up there as well. That's uh, Buddy John's Oscar uh, predictions. Everything is there. It's all categorized. And also, you'll find links on where to follow us because we also have a Facebook page. We also have a Twitter account. We also have uh, a uh, Podbean account, which is where we actually host our podcasts off of. Our iTunes, how you can follow us on iTunes if you use that, uh, as well as uh, Stitcher, which is the other big app out there. So everything you need, one-stop shop again, the number four, MidwestGuys.com. So check us out. You can leave feedback. There's a place for us where you can even comment back to us under contact us and leave us a message and send us an email that way. So everything you need, one-stop shop, number four, MidwestGuys.com. All right, Aaron. Well, I want to thank you for joining us tonight, sir. Yeah, not a problem. And this is B. Willie saying, may the force be with you always. (laughs) 